Hello, it's Bria, Katie, and Lawton from the Office of Student Life and Leadership. Welcome to another episode of Heal Talks. This podcast is dedicated to providing you with leadership development and civic engagement content through honest conversations and storytelling from UNC students, staff, faculty, and community members. We believe that leadership is a learned process, so thank you for taking the time to learn with us. With that being said, let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone. My name is Brady Kreef. I'm from the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I am currently a senior, feeling very sad about it, but I'm a senior studying political science and global studies with concentrations in Western Europe and Spanish. Um, I use he, him pronouns. And during my four years at Carolina here, I've been involved with student government. I've been involved with NC Fellows out of the SLL office and also UNC Camp Kesem, where I work with kids that have been impacted by a parent's cancer. Well, welcome, Brady. I'm so happy to like get to connect back with you because it's been a while. Like I haven't maybe seen you in almost a year now. I know. And that's so crazy because we used to see each other like every week for every student government. Week, every week. So it's just different, you know, coronavirus in the world literally she's a trendsetter as I will say <laughs> but happy to have you on the show and on the podcast and just kind of hear the story that you're here to share with us about you know a leadership memory something that you pinpoint that came to you um, yeah. so yeah yeah so honestly I think one of the biggest things about being a leader in leadership in general and I know that like in every single discussion you have about being a good leader, you're always told like, you need to listen, you need to have empathy, you need to understand where your people are coming from. And again, like if it's, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like that is how I view leadership. It's listening and leading others and making sure that they are on a path that one is both constructive for them, but also constructive to your greater mission. And so I honestly think one like, very personal memory that involved a lot of listening and honestly made me really value what other people have to say and their contributions to work is when I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in eighth grade. Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disorder that targets the digestive tract. Basically, I had ulcers from my esophagus all the way down to my large intestine. I dropped like 30 pounds. I weighed 55 pounds when I was admitted to the hospital. And it was really the first time that like other people were listening. Well, like besides, you know, like my mom and dad. And I was like, oh, mom, like, I want this new toy. Can I get it? And she'd be like, yeah, I guess. But it was the first time in, like, a setting where other people really sat down and listened to what I had to say for a plan that totally involved me. Like, we all had a shared vision, which is, like, you know what leadership is. It's having a shared vision, sharing it with others, and making sure that everyone hopefully gets to that point, be it, you know, if it's like a project and getting an A or if it's like 
organizing in the 2020 election to like get your preferred candidate elected or like a ballot referendum, like making sure that you all have that shared vision. And you do that by listening to what people have to say and listening to where they're coming from and meeting them where they're coming from and then bringing that line all the way forward. And that way, like, if you bring the line forward from where they are, you not only get people invested in the work you're doing, which makes your project sustainable if you're doing like a community organizing or like academic policy-based thing, but you also make new friends and you find deeper connections outside of the leadership and like work sphere that you're in. And then you bring those connections to the outside world. And so that's one thing I love about student leadership. It's that, you know, like, oh, you sit down in this meeting and then after the meeting you go get dinner or in the coronavirus world, I'm a big among us player. I don't know if you've played it, Bria, but it's always like, okay, after this meeting, we're gonna take like a 15 minute, 30 minute dinner break. And then like, we're hopping back on Zoom and we're playing Among Us. And so again, listening and cementing those bonds goes beyond the project that you're working on. And honestly, that's why I'm like super proud to be a student leader because I know that it has shaped me more than I have shaped other things in the Carolina community. So I feel like this is a very, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I feel like you bring up a very, I appreciate number one, your vulnerability because to come here and to share your personal experience and your personal difficulties with your um, diagnosis, you know, I really appreciate that vulnerability. And I know it was something perhaps that me and DJ touched on when we did our episode the other day about how due to UNC culture, you know, it's hard for leaders to be vulnerable with one another Mm -hmm. and to share what we're really going through because we feel like there's this burden to always be on it and to always be ready. And I feel like, you know, what you went through with your moment of shock of being like, wait, we're actually going to make a plan about me and have a vision centered around me. You know, that's that piece of self-care that I feel like a lot of student leaders are often missing at UNC because we're so dedicated to doing for others and being there for others that like, when it's time to step back and be like, okay, so what do you want to do? We're like, what what do I want to do? Like, I haven't even thought about what I wanted to do yet. So um, I say all that to say where I'm going with this is from your, you know, your personal um, struggles with your diagnosis and overcoming and, you know, having an experience of like having a plan sitting around you. How does that affect your self-care as a student leader now at UNC, you know, and your thoughts and outlooks on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously having a leadership position in like any organization no matter how big or how small, definitely it puts you out there and you have to put yourself out there to be open to criticism. And personally, my least favorite part of it, like giving criticism, because like, I don't like bringing people down. And again, kind of in like this clout culture that we have, I feel like people always try to outdo one another when it comes to leadership. And so I think that it's important like the points you're bringing up to focus on yourself. And so 
honestly, how I do that is, again, showing vulnerability and being honest. Because if you're honest with the expectations that you set for yourself and that you or and the expectations that like you tell other people to have for you be like hey like you know this week I can't come to the meeting because I just need a day off that is honestly the best thing again honesty is the best policy so being honest I think with yourself as a student leader means that one, you can hold yourself accountable so that you don't overstretch yourself. Because if you overstretch yourself, spread yourself too thin, then it's it's just not good for you mentally, physically, emotionally. So I always try to find a balance between like, okay, what can I do this week? Or what can I do today? And not only focusing on the end goal, it's making sure that all those smaller steps are reached on like your personal ladder before you climb all the way to the top and try to bring others up the ladder with you. I mean, you know, I don't even know. For me, I feel like the ladder metaphor is an interesting one because, you know, we're always like, we're going up the ladder, bringing people up the ladder. And I think it's important to, you know, always go back to your roots and reach back mm -hmm. in your community and help out. But I don't know. I don't know if you share the same thing, you know, after being in student government. But for me personally, after being in student government for so long, I'm kind of like, well, why is there a ladder? Like, why are we all not on the same platform? And I just feel like that goes to speak to how perceptions of student leaders are. And I will admit that, like, the culture of student leadership at UNC has changed a lot since um, my first year here and seeing how is a lot of times more centered on activism and trying to incorporate and include different voices. But then, you know, we still always have those instances where it's like overlooked, not yeah. noticed, not appreciated. So it's just, I don't know, how, Brady, you know, how do you, <laughs> how do you feel as though the culture of student leadership at UNC has changed in your perspective from, you know, our first year here to now and being critical, do you really think that, you know, the landscape of inclusivity has changed that much in the brand that like UNC administration and leadership wants to push it to have changed to? Yeah, to answer the first part of that question, I definitely think again, being a young, naive first year, just like going in and being like, oh, like this seems fun. I'll join this organization to like actually then like sticking with the organization and working with it. And then eventually like being a leader in these organizations, I do think there has been a positive change because, you know, as you grow both as a student, as a person, like you get, a bigger like, consciousness of what is going on and not only your individual impact within an organization, but that organization's impact and the voice that it has. So like for instance, in Kesem, the past it was more, you know, like Greek life affiliated, more white, more upper income until there was a leadership change and we realized, okay, like most of our kids are not those things. 
And like, it's different than being like, okay, we need a counselor that like, likes to play football because so many of our kids like football or like, oh, we need a counselor that like watches anime because so many of our kids like to watch anime. Instead, it's okay, we need counselors that can relate to these kids on a non-superficial basis so that the kids get what they're supposed to get out of the organization. And it's that emotional support. It's that feeling of family that in so many cases, and unfortunately, that these kids have lost over time. So I definitely think that personally in the organizations that I've been in, there has been a rather introspective look at like, okay, we do need to be more not only like physically representative, but like substantively representative so that the mission of the organization is actually doing what it's supposed to do. And if it's not, then pivoting and having that shift so that the organization is more sustainable and goes back to what its original purpose is, which is like in the case of student government, serving the community, in the case of Kesem, making sure that these kids have emotional support. Um, in terms of your second question, if you could repeat it again, that would be great because I totally blanked on it. No, that's fine. I honestly feel like you touched on it just now with talking about like working to be more substantively reflective more than just like physical representation. Cause I think that's a, that's a great, you know, distinction that you make there that like, you know, you can be physically representative, physically, you can look inclusive on the outside, but you know, when you come in, especially I found like working with a lot of lower and socioeconomic students, they don't feel represented because when they go into these spaces, yes, there may racially be people that they can identify with, but then those people are from a different class than them. So then that's where, you know, they have that disconnect because they're like, I I don't relate to your lived experiences and you don't relate to mine. So this is really inclusive. So I think you make a great distinction about substantively also being inclusive so that, you know, you're connecting back to what we in SLO talk about a lot, your values and like congruency mm -hmm. and what that means. And so you answered both of those questions beautifully. Like, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> um, and you made me spark up in my head. I wanted to ask you about, you know, what has been the struggle or struggles that you've had to overcome in getting your values to come through in your work and organizations because I feel like that's also something that we talk about a lot in SLL you know having your leadership align with what you believe in and then how to display that in various different situations um I wanted to know you know like what has what has been the biggest thing that you've had to maybe work through overcome or face in order to get your values um to align with or you know, reflect the mission of the organization? Yeah, I definitely think that, again, and I think it's something we all are guilty of being caught up in. And it is like the clout culture that UNC has that you've alluded to. It's like, I hate going on LinkedIn, even though, you know, guilty of doing that regular regularly. 
but it's like every time I go on there, it's like boom, 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 boom. People just like being on there and having it be for that position. It's like, oh, I've done this. I had a spectacular time doing it. Can't wait to like incorporate the lessons I learned, but then they don't incorporate those lessons. And again, it's just for like using the ladder metaphor again, climbing the ladder. So I think sitting down and reflecting and being like, is my work appreciated in this organization? Am I getting what I thought I was getting for the emotional fulfillment out of this organization? Am I here for the right reasons? And are the people around me here for the right reasons? Because, you know, my mom always used to say that you can't run with the wrong crowd. And I think in terms of leadership, if the people you're working with are always caught up in being like, oh, I want this position, or like, oh, we should do this to get good press, that's not the point of that organization. The point of the organization is to do work for the interest of either the community or the people that are in the organization. If it's like, you know, student athlete group, it's like, oh, like, you know, being physically fit, having that team aspect while also like having fun. Or if it's in the terms of like student government, like, oh, working on behalf of the students, not so that I can like post on LinkedIn that I got this super great position that will set me up for the super great internship or the super great job because you should use your leadership experience and the organizations that you're a part of to create a path, not set up a path, if that makes sense. Like your values should weave and snake in different directions so that then the end goal is something that you're emotionally invested in. Whereas if you're just on, you know, the cookie cutter path, straight and narrow that's set up for you and you don't really deviate from it, you're one, not growing and two, not benefiting those around you that could use support if you like had straight off that path and learned a new passion or a new skill or a new form of um, emotional intelligence based off of connecting with new individuals and of that self-reflection. I think, you know, your whole response, what stood out to me the most is when you mentioned having emotional fulfillment Mm -hmm. from whatever you're involved in, because I've been reflecting a lot on like my time at UNC, greater society, the times that we're living in now. And my favorite app, Twitter, is always (laughs) there with a sidebar. And my most recent sidebar that I got from Twitter was the fact that due to, you know, the society that we live in, whether or not listeners out there are pro or against capitalism, but like the capitalistic society that we now find ourselves in, as Twitter put it, the hobbies have turned into hustles. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of like, you know, that speaks to that emotional fulfillment. Like now, if that thing that you were using to give yourself emotional satisfaction and somewhat of a, like a reason of being or fulfillment or anything like that has turned into a means of like 
as we can put it in terms of like college, that thing that's going to get me that internship or that thing that's going to look good on my resume. You know, what are you then doing for yourself emotionally or what are you doing for yourself for something that doesn't revolve around like your next steps in life? And I feel like a lot of leaders, a lot of student leaders, any person who calls himself a leader could really benefit from that introspection or reflection that you mentioned about like, what am I getting out of this? What are the people around me getting out of this? And like taking it a step further, like, is this filling me emotionally? Is it giving me emotional satisfaction? And if it's not, you know, what can you do about that to change that? Or, you know, do you need to seek, you know, somewhere else? So I just feel like that really hit home for me as of recently with what I've been reflecting and seeing. (laughs) I definitely agree. Cause like, I, again, just like recently put on my resume and like the interest and skills section that I am like interested in martial arts, which is true. Like I have a second degree black belt. I've done it for the majority of my life. I love it. Is it rooted in my deep love of like Avatar The Last Airbender and Teen Titans? Absolutely. But coming to UNC and being like, oh, like I want to be part of this martial arts team, like joined it, did competitions with them, did um, like performances. And I just wasn't getting what I got out of it before because what the UNC organization like what their mission was, was not what I was used to. And I realized like, you know, I'm not happy doing this anymore. I'm not happy like spending an hour and 30 minutes doing what I used to love doing for like longer periods of time, be it, you know, like three, four times a week instead of like, oh, this one little hour, two hour practice. So you know, I dropped it. And I don't have any shame in saying that because I wasn't getting what I wanted out of it, which means that I freed up that energy, freed up that emotional labor to then go somewhere else and reinvest it so that I am being emotionally fulfilled by the activities that I do. And so again, the Bird app, Twitter, it's I'm addicted. I'll be the first to say that. <laughs> like, I love Twitter. But I do think that there is, you know, kind of going back to the greater like consciousness thing that I mentioned earlier, that there is this shift in terms of our generation of leaders understanding that, you know, leadership just isn't about getting that gold medal. It isn't about being able to brag like, oh, I did this. It's about being fulfilled and helping other people find their passions and find their emotional fulfillment, no matter if it's like doing something super niche or doing something that can be applied to like a greater mission. So I I definitely relate to everything that you just said. Well, I want to thank you for hopping on and sharing with us, you know, maybe sometime in the future we can connect again and like be a different conversation, you know, still Twitter obsessed, but a different conversation. 
about the future of leadership and, you know, where that emotional fulfillment comes in. And, you know, for anyone who might listen to this episode, I really hope that they like reflect on a lot of the things that you mentioned um, today and really think about, you know, is this really for me and for me in terms of like emotional well-being, happiness and joy and not to say that it's ever wrong to participate in something as a way to get experience or gain an insight to something that you want to do in the future but really reflecting and saying like if everything that I'm doing is only for that purpose of like my next step my next um internship my next job you know are you really fully gaining everything that you need to get from that experience or are you only looking at it through a one lens and then you know the rest of what you could learn from different perspectives is wasted so thank you you know this was a very reflective episode I feel like I could write in a journal now about (laughs) all of these different things I I used to have a journal life just got too too much so maybe we can start journaling together. Who knows? I I would love that because, you know, I'm also the same way. I had a journal. I've maybe had two or three in my past. And every time I'm, like, doing really great and then life happens. And then, like, that's when you need to really journal when life happens. Mm -hmm. But then, like, life is happening so fast that you can't. But I'd love to journal together. Absolutely. Okay, I'm so excited. Like I need to I need to go find mine. I think it's somewhere in my desk, but like I will also locate mine and then you know we'll <laughs> we'll figure out the rest of the details. And I guess that's what we're gonna close with. Like me and Brady are gonna journal. I hope our listeners will journal. And now it's just journaling Thursdays. Like that's the thing now. Honestly, putting it in the Google Calendar, it's going like right up in there in a bright color so that I'm like, oh, I see it. I have to do it. All right, then. Well, thank you, Brady. We appreciate it. It has been wonderful. Loved having you. Yes. Thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. I'm super duper excited to see how it turns out and also super duper excited to like obviously see you since it's been like how many months almost 12 yikes yikes too long too long definitely definitely too long oh great we're signing off now goodbye everyone check back in with us next time for more leadership conversations with our engaging and inspiring guests be sure to like comment and share hill talks wherever you are listening we will catch you next time peace